When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, I'm Don McDonald, and welcome to Talking Real Money. The show, the podcast, the all-purpose adventure in managing money and making it a little easier to deal with and hopefully making you more money in the process as opposed to all those other people who are trying to make money off of your money by doing all kinds of strange and complicated things. <laughs> yeah. uh, before I get into my strange and complicated thing that I want to discuss with you, uh, call me. It's easy and it's free and I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's August 20th. So I am actually here. Yeah. Uh, 855-935-TALK is the phone number. 855-935-8255. Uh, I am here, but Tom, Tom is wrapping up his vacation by the pool, by the lake, the Lake Chelan vacation. If you listen back to our shows for a decade or more and listen to a show from august you'll hear the same refrain tom is on vacation at lake chelan 100 degree heat 12 degree water okay a little warmer than 12 it'd be frozen at 12 33 degree water uh so call call me 855-935-TALK you you're confused about your investments you want some ideas about what you should do going forward you have been pitched something and you want another opinion before you do it, or you've already done it and you want to know how the heck to fix it. Give me a holler, 855-935-8255. And speaking of fixing things, this, see, here's the problem with being semi-honest. I mean, like all people, I've told my share of lies, but but relatively honest, I, I just don't think of this stuff. Maybe I'm not, it's also because I'm not in the mutual fund business. But you know how we compare mutual funds to, quote, their benchmark? Now, a lot of times, if it's a growth fund, that's something like the S&P 500 or the Russell 1000, which are large cap indexes. But I did not know this. The SEC allows you to switch your benchmark to what they call an appropriate broad-based securities market index. Well, like most government language, that's pretty bad guidance, don't you think? Appropriate. What is appropriate? Well, we didn't tell you what appropriate is. So, thanks, Jason Zweig at the Wall Street Journal for sharing this because I didn't know it could happen. He was alerted to it because there was a study done Looking into this, it was uh, from uh, the University of Central Florida and the University of Arizona, and they found that 37% of all stock mutual funds, 
between 2006 and 2018 changed their benchmark. That's like changing the rules of the game. That's be that's like you know like like well let's think football. I was watching a little of the Broncos pregame thing. You're the Broncos and you're being walloped by the Chiefs, and you go uh, timeout. Okay, can, can you replace the Chiefs with the Raiders, please? That was for Tom, by the way. Yeah, we no, we'd rather play them. Yeah, we we have a better chance. We're, we're going to look better against them, please. Can we do that? You don't know how it's going to end up, but you're, you're maybe improving your odds a little bit. How can they do this? Oh, this industry is so dishonest. So dishonest. So um, now the SEC is requiring the funds to show the old benchmark on their fund stuff alongside the new one. But still, still, this study found out that fund managers who changed their benchmark ended up looking eight-tenths of a percentage point better, or, or that extra fee they charge, over one-year periods. And over five years, they got a 2.4% boost, 2.4-point boost, percentage points. And over 10 years, those who changed saw their percentage increase go up by 4.8 points. This is a game. This is a very, very sneaky game. And I'm going to give you one example that Jason Zweig had in his article where this actually benefited them. Yeah, if you can change the rules in the middle of the game, it's likely to benefit you. 855-935-TALK is the number. Please give me a call. Tom and Don are talking real money. Set your course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Yeah, it's good weather, I know. I know, it's good weather. I heard it was great weather in Seattle. Yeah, you're not going to call. Or you're going to wait till the end. You're going to go, oh, 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 I did need to ask that. But don't wait till the end because then we get to the end of the show and then I can't get to you. So call now, 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK. In a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, our good friend, Jason Zweig, love Jason, love Jason, shared something that I hadn't ever heard of before. And there aren't many things in the financial industry I haven't heard of. I did not know a mutual fund could just arbitrarily switch benchmarks well it turns out that when they do that as i mentioned they improve their performance even though their performance doesn't improve they improve their relative performance compared with an index that's now a worse index apparently by quite a bit but that's not the only reason they do it because if they beat their benchmarks if they change their benchmarks so that they now beat their benchmarks, they take in an average of $70 million more money over the next five years than funds that didn't switch. No change in real performance, just relative. Wow. Now, there are some good reasons for doing this. And it's always managed funds, by the way. This does not apply to index funds. And it's really tough. These managed funds are having a very hard time competing 
when it turns out that outperformance in multiple studies, I've now seen a third one that says actively manage mutual funds fewer than less than two percent another study i just saw less than two percent of active fund managers outperform their benchmark and that's even with apparently being able to change your benchmark and here's one but you know okay so it can't happen legitimately like you've got small caps and they become mid-size i get it but here's one fund called the parametric dividend income fund parametric dividend income fund this is one of those very expensive uh parametric let's see what is their parametric dividend i just want to see what their uh, expense ratio is it's also a loaded fund and their class a which has a commission has a 0.65 expense ratio um and so uh, they weren't doing real well against their index which they were using the nasdaq u.s dividend achiever select index which is a wacky index anyway but they weren't doing that well against that. They were uh, they were averaging about uh, 0.7% underperformance against that benchmark, which included large, mid-size, and small companies. They decided, well, even though we're still mid-size and small companies in our portfolio, let's compare ourselves to the Russell 1000, which is all large-cap stocks and not high-dividend stocks. Well, it turns out that with that switch, they now outperform their benchmark by an average of 1.5% per year since 2014, even though nothing has changed in their real performance. Nothing, not a thing. And apparently it goes on a lot. And Jason ends his article with this line, which is just great. It's a perfect way to end it. And we say this a lot. Prospectuses always warn that past performance is no guarantee of future results. Turns out, it's no guarantee of past results either. Because you can change your game. You can change your past performance. Isn't that just like this industry? Oh, I get so frustrated sometimes. I see why you do. You should. You should be frustrated. It's all a big game for them, but it's your life for you. Give me a call, 855-935-TALK, 855 855- Nine three five eighty two fifty five. Amy, welcome to the show. Yes, um, I have two questions. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm a widow and I don't have much money, but uh, I have three annuities, and uh, one uh, brokerage managed by a bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, my questions are. Uh, my friend told me annuities are not guaranteed. I I might lose. That's is that true? Mm, okay, there there there. Annuities are this gray area of the world of guarantees. An absolute guarantee for a uh, financial item is the backing of the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Annuities are are backed by insurance companies by their assets. So. They're guaranteed by the company, but really that guarantee doesn't go a lot farther than that. There is there is there are state insurance pools that back them up, but those have actually ended up running out of money. Uh, there have been many cases where annuity holders have had to take their money after an annuity company collapsed in long-term payments. So they're safe, but they're not absolutely safe. 
okay. I'm thinking I have some, say, every time I save some amount in the bank, in the account, and I, I hesitate to take, to move it to a CD because CD interest is so little. So I'm thinking about another annuity. So if you were uh, me, well, I, see, what do you think? Tell me a little bit about, first, tell me how much money you have in all of these annuities and the bank account, the bank brokerage account. Uh, I never, Roughly. Okay, but it's about 350 Okay, that's serious, that's serious money, Amy. That, that is really, yeah. really serious money. That is not a little bit of change. And so it really needs to be properly managed. And I guarantee you that bank mm. broker is not doing you the kind of service you, you deserve. They don't do that. They're there to make themselves money. And that's what an annuity does too. When you buy an annuity, you make a salesman a big commission. And what you have yeah. is a variation on what I call the hodgepodge portfolio. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it has no, it has no plan behind it. You, everybody must, must, must have a plan. Absolutely must. And so that's why we suggest, and we're not the only ones who do this, Amy. There are a lot of people. We, we suggest some of them on our website. Have you been to talkingrealmoney.com? My webs our mm. website. You should go there. Go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help because you need, you have enough money mm. to hire a really good fee only fiduciary advisor. And, while while you um, don't realize what you're paying, you're paying a lot in fees and commissions and expenses that they're just hidden from you. You need somebody who's going to be totally honest oh. with you. Now, I would suggest, mm -hmm. as I have suggested to many uh, over the years, yeah. that you, you be, at least begin the process of looking for somebody. Now, I know if Tom was here, because he'll be here next mm -hmm. week, if Tom was here, he'd say, go ahead and give him a call. You know Tom, who's on the show with me? Call him on uh, set. Call yes, him. Uh, there was one more gentleman. Yeah, yeah, the other guy who's with me. Call call this number, 800-386-3004, and tell him you want to make a, a, an appointment to talk to Tom on a Saturday. He will not try and sell you anything, but he will try to help you figure out what you have. Tom and Don are talking real money. A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Hey, welcome back. I'm Don. Tom's on vacation. Our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. We get together regularly on this show and on our podcast to do one thing, and that is to make you better money managers, to make you actual money managers, or to help you find the help you need to manage it the right way without getting ripped off. And one of the ways we have for many years, I have for on, on, on a financial talk show, I've been doing this since the beginning of time. But gradually over time, I learned and begin to discover that actively managed mutual funds didn't work. They didn't 
beat the indexes. But the thing was, back then, indexes were teeny, tiny, tiny. As a matter of fact, just in 1993, uh, actively managed mutual funds had 60 times more money in them than did index funds. So nobody was talking about index funds back in 93. However, a very few, right around that time, I started looking at indexes and began to realize that people were getting ripped off. We all learn, we all grow, we all evolve if we're smart. Now, I've been suggesting index funds for decades now. Now, the assets in index funds in 2022 are higher for the first time than the assets in actively managed mutual funds. I I feel so good about that. It's turned. This is according to a Morningstar report. And uh, it was published by a a true good friend of ours, Larry Suedro. Larry's a great guy. Uh, And uh, there was an article in The Atlantic last year that said, "Could could index funds be worse than Marxism? And that's just hyperbole extraordinaire. Because the, the, the thought is that somehow this is un-American. And as a matter of fact, in 1980, uh, when the first index funds were, were out and about, the Lutold Group, which was an active management group, said that uh, it was un-American to index. It's un-American. Own American. Because, you know, you don't have people, smart people doing the picking. Well, the fact is, as I mentioned earlier, smart people doing the picking hasn't been a very effective strategy, and over time, it's become even less effective. You cannot beat the market, and there will never, ever be a time when people stop trying to beat the market. And that's fine. You and I who can't possibly win because we don't have the resources to do so. We don't have the resources to play the game, and we're not going to front run, and we're not going to illegally trade on insider information like many do. We're not going to play that game. So what we get to do, here's the thing that's so great about indexing, is that we get to, for a tiny little bit of money, ride on the coattails of all these money players. Sure, we're not going to get to enjoy the occasional big win that they have. But we're also not going to have to suffer from the incredible downside that exists with these kinds of very risky individualized trades. Oh, by the way, I did find that study that I was mentioning where uh, uh, it was uh, by Mike Sebastian and uh, Sudhakar Adaluri. It was in the jury, the uh, Journal of Portfolio Management, and they found that in 1993, there were 20% of active fund managers showed some skill back in 93. By 2011, it had fallen to just 1.6%. That's the number of managers who showed the possibility of some skill over and above luck. The same thing was in a study by uh, Eugene Fama and Ken French, a uh, study called Luck Versus Skill. In the cross-section of mutual fund returns, they found on an after-tax basis that only 2% 
of active managers showed what could be skill. Therefore, the only way to invest, and it's not Marxist, it's smart, is in index products. Tom and Don are talking real money. Tom and I created Vestry to help everyone become a better investor, even those who will never be clients. Let one of our advisors help you start your financial plan or solve a money problem free with no obligation or high-pressure sales pitch at Vestory.com. V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. And remember, every Saturday, you can call us live at 855-935-TALK from noon to 2 on the West Coast, 3 to 5 on the East Coast. And you can call us 24 hours a day at 855-935-TALK and leave your questions. You can also leave questions at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form where there's this little microphone button. And that allows you to send us a question like this, if it works. Oh, I'm at the wrong end of the thing. There we go. Hi, Tom and Don. Love your podcast. Dr. P here, a loyal listener from King of Prussia, PA. My question is, I would like to set aside money each year to invest for a young child. And we'll say starting at the age of one until they're 18 or whenever they have earned income. The money would be for retirement, not necessarily education. Some of the account type options I've found are as follows. UGMA account, UTMA, custodial IRA, custodial brokerage account. And then the final one I'm, I'm going to list as a brokerage account in the parent's name. Now, I assume the child would take ownership of all the account types at age 18, except for the brokerage account in the parent's name. My priority objectives aside from this being for retirement or tax-free growth and control. From a control standpoint, ETFs invested in the brokerage account, the parent's name, I mean, that allows for the most control. Mm -hmm. And from a tax liability standpoint, I'm thinking the taxes wouldn't be an issue if all the monies were invested in growth or value ETFs. Correct. Right. If I were to go with this option, brokerage account in the parent's name, do you think those investments could be gifted and transferred at a certain age without triggering of the realized gains? And aside from my choice of the brokerage account in the parent's name, what do you think the best account type option would be based on my objectives? Uh, appreciate your input on this and thank you very much well dr p as always you've done good homework and you've learned the dilemma that most people face when they want to fund a child's regular old account for the long-term future if you use a ugma uniform gift to minors or utma uniform transfer to minors account when that child reaches the age of majority which is 18 to 21 depending on the state they by law get control of that account and they can do with it as they see fit. So you want to avoid that by keeping it in an account that is not in their name, but is earmarked for them and doing it the parental way is, is a good possibility. 
that's a good possibility because there are some benefits. And I think you hit them. You hit all of them. Uh, if you use growth-oriented ETFs, they will not distribute realized capital gains. They might still have dividends uh, that are paid out, but they won't distribute realized capital gains. The only gains that will occur are when the ETF is sold. So that said, you could put it in the parent's name. Then when the parents want to transfer it to the children's name, they can gift, begin to gift X amount per year. I think it's 16000 a year right now. Actually, it can be even higher if they go into their estate exemption. But they can gift shares. Not necess- They don't have to cash them out. They can gift shares. And the capital gain, the capital that doesn't doesn't step up the cost basis, but then the capital gain continues to defer in the child's name. The only way to get it to the kids with a step up is for the parents to die. Then they get a step up in the cost basis. But you're right, there aren't a lot of good options. So I think your best bet is to do what you're planning to do. Open the brokerage account in the parent's name, fund it with good ETFs, and heavy growth. This is one of those cases where you could use the Paul Merriman buy all small cap strategy, just buy small cap value because nobody's going to touch it for 18 years. And then as the children grow, when they get to the point where they are earning some sort of income from something, start funding a Roth IRA for them that will grow tax-free and you can fund that in their names of course it's theirs but that means by then you got to instill this belief that it that you've got to tell them you got to let them learn how much it could be worth if they just leave it the heck alone and you know you could use the account with the parents as an example here we've left this for the last 15 years with your parents and we have put in this much and now it's worth this much wouldn't you like to do that times 10 down the road it's nice of you doc thanks for the call you can call me right now at 855-935-TALK it's one of our slower days for calls so good time to get in tom and don are talking real money is your portfolio a mess you may have a case of hodgepodgeitis, but don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at Vestory.com. No sales pitch, guaranteed. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y dot Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Guess what? Nobody's called. 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number. If you want to call, we still have less than 15 minutes in the, the the program so you if you want to call you need to call soon 855-935-8255 but if you do end up calling later you can leave your question 24 hours a day seven days a week and we will answer it in a future podcast i want to make that really clear we will answer your question but we answer it in a future podcast we don't call people back and answer their questions we can't do that if you want that, you need to contact one of our Vestry by Appella Advisors at Vestry.com, and they'll spend some time with you. This is this is for the podcasts and the show, like this question right here. Hi, this is Vaughn. Just wanted to know if I wanted to reproduce the Vanguard Wellington Admiral Share Fund 
Is it just a matter of determining what the percentage of the Wellington Admiral Share Fund is and then turning it into the 70% uh, or 60% BTI and then the balance, the other 30 or 40% going into the uh, bond fund, the BND uh, total bond fund through Vanguard? And also, I was wondering the same for the Wellesley, Vanguard Wellesley Admiral shares. Is it, again, just a matter of getting the percentage of VTI? Uh, I think I, that would be maybe somewhere 40% VTI. And then putting the rest in the total Vanguard total bond fund, BND, of approximately 60%. So uh, just a simple question. Thanks. I appreciate your help. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for your question. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm just not sure why you would want to reproduce Wellington or Wellesley. And you really, actually, you cannot reproduce Wellington and Wellesley because both Wellington and Wellesley are actively managed funds. For example, in Vanguard Wellington right now, there are only, well, no, this is as of their last report of their securities. That's the reason. They change in between reports. They had a mere 72 stocks in that portfolio. When you compare that with the Vanguard Balanced Index, which is also 60-40, and it has 3,568 stocks. The Vanguard Balanced Index is almost all U.S. and U.S. bonds. The Wellington is almost all U.S., but you notice there aren't very many stocks. It's not very well diversified. And the funny thing is, Wellington and, and the Balanced Index have almost identical performance, as you would expect. As you would expect. But you get a much broader portfolio by owning the Balanced Index. And as far as Wellesley goes, again, actively managed, it only has, let's see, 66 stocks in its portfolio. You're going to get, again, thousands of stocks if you create your own. And V actually using VT and BND, in my opinion, is a better way to build your little balanced index. Don't think about building Wellesley or Wellington, but think it, think of it as building your own index. If you're a 60-40 investor, which means you want to take a little more risk, you can afford to take a little more risk, then you buy 60% of VT, 40% of BND, reverse that if you want to be more like the Wellesley balance. But you won't reproduce those funds. They're, they're not the same. Thanks so much. Appreciate you calling. Uh, 855-935-TALKS, our number. And Luke's calling. Hey, Luke, thanks for the call. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. What can I do for you, um, So I have a quick question. Yeah, so my question is around, um, I've got some investments in, in a number of different places. Uh, for the most part, I'm maxing out my 401k match at work. Mm -hmm. Then I'm maxing out Roth IRA. Then I'm going back and maxing out the rest of the 401k that I can for the year. And then the rest I'm just putting in a brokerage account um, and investing that. And um, I just wondered if there was anything else I should be doing from a tax advantage standpoint uh, with the money that I'm, I'm just investing in my brokerage account as opposed to any other options. Well, how old are you? 
41. Oh, young. Okay. And the money in your brokerage account, it's long-term money? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Okay. Anything that's not long-term, you want to probably keep in something like bonds. If you, and this even works for bonds, if you use ETFs, then while the bond ETF will distribute its tax, that you'll get tax hits on the income, which you can reinvest, but you'll pay taxes on the income. If there are any capital gains, which there haven't been in the past, but there might be going forward, those will not be taxed until you take the money out. Same with your equity position. So you can improve your taxable situation if you have regular mutual funds by switching those to comparable ETFs. Okay. Okay. Because ETFs have a tax uh, as, advantage. As far as the accounts, as far as the account types themselves, though, there's there's no. no really other account types that I can get into at that point. No, the when you've maxed out. when you've maxed out your your IRA options and your retirement plan at work options, you're out of options, um, short of annuities. But the annuities, they, the benefit, the tax benefits they give you, they take away at the end. For example, a, t a, a variable annuity, which, as we mentioned in the last hour, can have ridiculous expenses, a variable annuity will give you tax deferral for the life of the annuity. But whereas with your ETF, when you get the money out, you'll be taxed at your capital gains rate. With your annuity, you're taxed at your income rate, and you paid all those extra fees. So, no, there, the, yeah. there are no other great tax advantages out there. All right. I appreciate your information. My pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, calling. There are only so many things we can do to avoid paying taxes. And, and when it comes right down to it, <laughs> I mean, would you rather have the gain or the income or whatever it might be on which you're paying taxes or suffer losses and have a write-off? Really? Would you rather pay taxes and make money? Or is it the tax advantage that is most important to you. Uh, if, if you said the latter, you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. You really do want to make the money, and that's part of the process. But there are things you can do. Fully fund that Roth, fully, fully, or your regular IRA, fully fund your 401k or 403b or 457. And please, please remember, with your 403b or your 457, or even in some cases your 401k, make sure you do not do not use annuities inside a qualified retirement plan of any kind. And I want to beseech all my educator friends out there listening and all of the healthcare workers who I love massively to please get your 403B statement out and check what you're investing in. If there's an insurance company name associated with it or even your, your own union's name associated with it, it's time for some changes. And I know change is hard. You don't want to do the do the work, but you just you don't know. You can't know how badly you're being treated by these organizations. 855-935-TALK. Call 24-7. Tom and Don are talking real money. Set your course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And if 
you're one of those teachers or healthcare workers or somebody with a 457 or whatever it is. If you pull that statement, you look at it and you go, I don't know what I have. So that's normal. These things are confusing. I mean, I've got a friend who's a brilliant physician and he has me look at his retirement plan all the time because it's hard to understand what you're in. And if that's the case and you want somebody to give it a look and try to help you figure it out without charging you anything, without trying to sell you anything, just go to Vestry.com. That's our firm, Vestry by Appella. Go to Vestry.com and uh, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com and just set up an appointment. That's Vestry.com. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?